Okay, I'm ready. Sorry about that. No problem. <clears throat> no problem at all. <laughs> Fuck, you need me to look at you? You need me to watch your bad takes now? Uh, uh, welcome. Put, put that in the edit, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the fellowship. My name is Adam Hawk. I am joined by Ryan Engel. Call this a bonus episode because as promised, we are doubling up. We're back here to talk about what we didn't get to yesterday, which was our wonderful weekend launching our collection and having a great party with so many of you. I'm a little nervous actually to do this episode because this was supposed to be all fun, good vibes. I don't even have any notes for the first time ever. What? And uh, Ryan is like, a dog that saw himself in the mirror and started barking and got all pissed <laughs> off because this guy pulls into work today. I can hear him listening to yesterday's Ryder Cup recap podcast. And well, was, you always give me a hard time. Like, did you listen to the pod? So I'm doing my job over here. So he pulls in and he's listening to the podcast and I could hear it. So wonderful speakers. I could hear it from inside the office. Well, there's probably like 12 speakers in there because there's like 14 cup holders and 32 seats. So. It sounds good. So I hear you listen to the podcast. It's near the end of the episode where things get a little contentious, arguing over the Joey LaCava, Rory McIlroy saga on the 18th green on Saturday at the Ryder Cup. That was the part of the episode you were listening to. And then you came in all H and B. H and B, hot and bothered. You think that's me, hot and bothered? I mean, you're like, hey, Hawk, you're an idiot. That was the worst take ever. And Tony Bacardi, who agrees with you, is an idiot. And the fact that he agrees with you means that you're wrong. No one can pull their head out of their ass. I'm the one that's right. You guys are all hypocrites. You're all idiots. No, I said Rory's a hypocrite. And there's no argument to make. You can't whine and cry decorum and then show none in the process. That was my argument. If you'd so, like to hear these yeah, arguments, that's, that's what it was, folks. Fully fleshed out. They are on the episode we recorded yesterday. Keep rooting for these false idol whiny little bitches. It was a great episode, and it's it's got Ryan all hot and bothered. So if you'd like to go back and listen to that, please do. We encourage you to before the Ryder Cup fades off into the sunset. If it hasn't, oh, already. it's gone. So today we talk about the new collection launch, the commencement collection, and the launch party. We had such a good time this weekend. It was the culmination of a lot of hard work, a lot of patience. It took us forever to get this latest collection launched, and we don't have to bore anyone with the details. It's supply chain issues. It's economy it's factories falling in and out, it's samples not coming back the way that you wanted them, blah, blah, blah. We finally get the product in hand. We go and do a photo shoot, which we've also already talked about on this podcast. That is a couple of episodes ago. And then you had the bright idea to have a launch party one week after the photo shoot, a couple days after we got the product. So we've just been run ragged. And I have to say, at one point during these last two weeks, I looked at you and said, I think we bit off more than we could chew. And you said, no, I, I get what you're saying. We, we bit off about as much as we can chew. So credit to you. You scheduled this. It was very, very ambitious. And now all of it is in our rear view. The collection is launched. It was pretty successful. We had a party. About 100 people showed up. We premiered the movie. What did you think of the party on Saturday night here at Nation Golf? I think we had 85 to 90 alcoholics hang out for a long period of time. We hid a lot of booze because we carry a lot of booze here. But I did put a lot of booze out. I had a nice little 
wedding event inspired placard of signature drinks to make with the fixins all there. And I put about 11 bottles of brown liquor out and seven were completely drained. The others were severely dented and about 200 of the 350 beers that we brought were gone. I'm not going to say we overserved anyone. I just think that what we're dealing with here is just a bunch of true professionals. God bless their heart. He's not kidding, folks. We had enough alcohol to kill a total tribe of elephants. And our crowd came in here about 100 strong and just drank the place dry. We're throwing away bottles going, how did we go through this much? It was unbelievable. It really was. And as a guy that has been mostly sober for the last two and a half months, I've had one beer on one night, and then I had a couple of drinks at our party, but very slow drinking. It's very easy when you're in the mindset I was in to see how drunk everyone is, and it's pretty funny. It was a great party. We had a lot of people come over, finish a lot of bottles of alcohol, drink a lot of beer. I would love to thank the person who brought all of the alcohol, but that person doesn't want to be thanked. Mm. So I guess I won't shout that person out. Yeah, thanks. Thanks, guy. (laughs) Appreciate you, guy. Thanks, bud. Crazy to launch on Friday, September 29th, send out all this marketing, get all of our ducks in a row, pack 100 orders, just have one hell of a day, and simultaneously while getting everything out the door. And remember this about Nation Golf and what we do here. It's just us. I know that we present it in a bigger-than-it-is fashion, But it's just us here. So when there's an order or a customer service email or a stamp to lick or a box to put together or a bill to pay, there's no one sitting around hanging out with us doing those things. So when we sell garments, it's because Ryan made the garment. We unpacked them, put them away. We marketed it after we shot it, and then we pack it. So we're simultaneously planning a party, cleaning a showroom, and packing a billion orders from our first collection drop in a long time. Which is why when we were planning this party and you offered to cook in the parking lot, I was like, (laughs) that's not going to happen. That was an original idea I had. I said, hey, let's grill. Yeah. I'll just bring a grill. Yeah, why not? Let's just add another job. You know, let's just fucking cook while we're at it. Let's make life harder than it already Yeah, let's do that. That was nuts on Friday to just see such great reception to the launch. And then it was like, wow, we got to come back and do this again on Saturday. Mm. Weather was a little suspect. A lot of rain coming in early. And we're like, holy shit, it's going to quite literally rain on our parade. That rain cleared up by four o'clock. You, Craig, and myself were here early setting everything up. The Desert Classic tent went out. The Hobie PA system and projector came out. The showroom was cleaned top to bottom and rearranged. And the party, which was supposed to start at 6.30, had the staple that every single party has, and that is an early arriver. Now, folks, if you've ever thrown a party, a shindig, a wedding, had people over for the game, and you clearly state a start time, you can... Set your watch to at least a couple of people showing up an hour to an hour and a half early. I don't understand why people think that a start time is arbitrary and that the people preparing for the party aren't sitting there getting ready for you to come over. However, you will always find people that arrive early. Now, these 
people that arrived early happen to be cool and fine and we know them and it's great. So I'm not trying to call them out and I actually do really like these people. It's just interesting that you read 6.30 and you're like, you know what? I'll show up at 5. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, wouldn't you imagine well, it's that- It's 5 o'clock somewhere. Yeah, and wouldn't you imagine that 5 o'clock for a 6.30 start time is probably crunch time for the people preparing for it? Well, considering it was us, yes. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Exactly. After we set up and got all the heavy lifting done, it was time for me to change into my party outfit, my party clothes. Change out of your casual rave wear? Yes. And into my dinner party wear. Yeah. So I went into my office, I dropped trowel, had my pants around my ankles, and some random dude who I've never seen in my life walks right into the office. And I'm half naked. Is that why you guys closed the door so fast? (laughs) I was wondering what was going on in there. But I'm like, uh, hi, how are you? I thought the Discovery Channel was on. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm, I'm half naked and my name's Adam. How are you? And I forget this guy's name, but he's like, oh, I'm here for the party. I'm like, yeah, we're starting at 6.30. So there's a brewery about four doors down if you want to go pull up a chair, drop anchor, and let me pull my pants up. <laughs> that would be great. Well, you know, I wasn't going to say this, but for the record, that person who was beaming in your eyes while your pants were down and was an hour early for the party. He was wearing a Sunday Swagger golf shirt, so shame on you, bud. (laughs) What was more loud, his arrival time or his garb? (laughs) Well, if you're a man that wears a shirt like that, you're you're not uncomfortable around another man with his pants (laughs) at his ankles. So, you know, it's just, it's one of those things, you know, it's a... I was going to ask him, I was like, hey, uh, so we have a couple trash cans here for the party and we ran out of bags. Could I borrow that shirt and swap you out for a cotton one, bud? <laughs> it has the same elasticity. <laughs> Four-way stretch. <laughs> Again, find me a shirt, any shirt that's ever been made in the history of the world. Try to pull it up and down side to side and tell me that it doesn't stretch. Yeah, we should have ours. Nation Golf, hard collar, the one-way stretch. Which way, you ask? To the top. Yeah. (laughs) My favorite thing in all of this performance apparel stuff, and I get it, some of that stuff is pleasurable to wear in warmer environments. I understand all that. But the biggest fallacy of all of these performance garments selling points, and it's Nike's fault because they named it that. They named it dry fit. But everyone uses this, this sales tactic now, and they say moisture wicking. Now, do you guys all understand that polyester is not moisture wicking. Think about what wicking is. Nothing is more moisture wicking than cotton. It literally is like a fucking paper towel. Now it holds it. It holds it in there. But moisture wicking, have you ever smelt the armpit of an all poly golf shirt after a round of golf? Oh, Smells like a goat's undercarriage, dude. (laughs) You know, I could, I could dry clean a cotton shirt and sweat in it and hang it back up and put it back on. And it's wonderful. My point is, is it's not moisture wicking. It's moisture smelling. Yeah, yeah. You know? Right. Shirt smells like trash. And well, truth be told, it is trash. (laughs) It's a poly trash bag. (laughs) We once had a customer complain that their brand new garment smelled like cigar smoke. Yeah. Now we get customers ever since that request us to blow smoke in the box. 
Well, you used to do that. You used to pack orders with a stogie in your mouth and, yeah. and blow secondhand cigar smoke right in there. If it's a flavored backwood, who doesn't want that smell? People who don't even like smoking, like when I when I go to like a party or a wedding or a get together or something. What's up, Larry? Sorry, guys. Hey, hey, no, no problem. <laughs> it makes the podcast yeah. better. Our wonderful mailman, Larry. Larry the mailman. He the- is the man. We just got another bill from T-Mobile for business. What do you know? But whenever you're at a wedding or something like that and, and, and an event, and you light up a flavored backwood smoked in the air, women, children, and nerds, they all come right up to you and go, oh, my God, that smells so good. <laughs> no one's like, oh, God, get that away. It smells awful. It's like, oh, the aroma. It's like Stevie Wonder just walked by a... Bath and Body Works at the mall for the first time and was just like, holy shit, where's that smell coming from? His heightened sense of smell. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't want to jump ahead because I don't want to get to the end of the night, but on the topic of early arrivers, every party has them. They also have another thing and you dealt with it. And I don't want to really talk about the end of the night. I just want to discuss what is worse, the early arriver or the way too late departer because while I had to deal with the early arrival with my pants around my ankles, you were here until midnight. The party stopped around 10 PM. Everyone was out of here, but you were here way late. There was quite an after party in the boardroom and not one that you really wanted to host. There was a group of us who were just outside because we had movie going still on the, on the wall. There were drinks out there and we were having conversation, kind of just enjoying the evening out there. And I came in to bleed the old lizard and look over and I'm like, what the fuck's going on here? And it wasn't drop anchor. It was like there were homesteaders in there. And I was like doing the really passive aggressive cleanup around them, throwing stuff away, dragging a bag full of empty bottles. I even flicked the lights on and off. I was like, oh, you guys are still in here. And it's just like, yeah, we're hanging out. It's like, it's time to fucking go, dude. But it's all good. It was it was all fun, and we ended up hanging out with those very people at Del Taco. So I'm sure you wanted to do that as well. Yeah. Um, do you know what an early arriver and a late departer have in common, and what makes them an early arriver and a late departer? No. They are incapable of picking up hints. Oh, yeah. Your pants could be around your ankles. Yep. Or you could be dragging trash, flicking lights on, asking, oh, you're still here. It's what makes them them. If they had any kind of self-awareness... They wouldn't be who they are. Yeah, but you know what? I would guess there's zero stress and zero anxiety in a in a brain like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, okay. Ignorance is bliss. Yeah, and we don't want to harp on it too long because again, everyone that came, the early arrivers and the late departers and everyone in between, we absolutely love them and appreciate them for being here. We're just us, and we're never going to pass up an opportunity to true talk shit. So. Let me ask you this. When is the last time you showed up? And this will be the last we talk about it. When's the last time you ever showed up to a party 90 minutes early? Never. I'm early to everything, but I'm mm. definitely not showing up like 30, 40, 50, 60, 90 minutes early. And there's no fucking way. Yeah. You know what I mean? And why not? It's awkward. Uh-huh. Yeah. It, it's awkward. Maybe even a little disrespectful well, it's, to the person setting up? Yeah. You know, I mean, I hate to see what kind of chonies they're wearing yeah you know <laughs> when's the last time you stayed uncomfortably late at a party where the host was dragging trash by you and shining lights in your eyes asking i don't i don't why are you still here ever unless i'm like part of it well right not that guy for how many people showed up how much alcohol got drank 
our showroom the next day and our warehouse and our outdoor area not nearly as bad as I thought it would be. Yeah, we cleaned up quite a bit that night. And a lot of people who hung out late really helped, which was nice. It wasn't that bad, considering how drunk everyone was. One of my favorite dadisms from my dad is, many hands make light work. Wow. And we had many hands making light work of the cleanup the night of, which we appreciate. Many shaking hands. (laughs) (laughs) But I shoot with this one. (laughs) Totally great to see everyone have them come down. I don't know about you. I just took a lot of pride in being able to show this place off. One, we're still here. We're still standing. Two, you had built the new showroom and we had new stuff to show in it. Our lounge and fellowship television set area is always a showstopper. The bar was fully stocked. And outside we had a branded tent, food, and you know movies playing all over the awning of the building. And it looked really high-end for a small business in an office park. It was really cool. Yeah, I agree. It was good. You want me to talk about it more or something? (laughs) It's a nice event. I think you covered all the uh, checkpoints there. Give me some highlights. (laughs) I think the highlight was of the night was um, when we were doing the raffle and... Your daughter was pulling out raffle tickets, and there was um, families and kids, and everyone was outside. And the <laughs> part we had a, a dead solid perfect playing the best golf movie of all time yeah, um, up on the uh, on the building projecting, and it was the the nude sex scene was uh, was playing, and I think everyone got a kick out of that. Yeah, the blending of adults and kids at this party was something someone should write a book about. They should do a study about because I don't think anyone has integrated drunk, partying, but very cool and very swanky and very responsible adults with super awesome, hyper energetic, well-behaved kids. It was just that synergy of the adults and kids was amazing and something that I'm proud of and we'll talk about in a second. But we did have a raffle drawing. You were kind enough to let my seven-year-old daughter draw the tickets. You called her up and said, let's give a warm welcome to Adam's beautiful daughter, Penelope. She's all stoked. It's great. You're projecting the movie Dead Solid Perfect up on the building. We're the only ones facing the building. Well, me, you, and my daughter. And what's happening on the building at the time is this 40 foot by 40 foot, just aggressive sex scene. Tits, it's not that aggressive. Tits flying everywhere. They it, were going at it. It was just a little, it was a little sheet karate. Nothing to see here, folks. So I quickly covered up my daughter's eyes and I think you said, hey, no one look behind you. And then everyone looks behind and <laughs> there's just this sex scene. And it, it, what, what was a minute felt like 10 minutes. Yeah. Because we're trying to get business done and raffle off a ticket and use a seven-year-old girl as a the raffle drawer, and we just got the sex scene going. It's funny, that was one of your highlights. That was my number one highlight as well. Was it? I wonder why. It was very funny. Yeah. The other highlight for me was the Grom's Only Room. Mm. We turned our office where we sit every day with our two desks into a kids-only room with glow sticks, paper, markers, crayons. We had chalk and- Crayons? We had- Is that how you say it? Crayons. Okay. I'm just want, I'm making sure you're not that guy. No, crayons. We had chalk and glow sticks and bubbles outside. And, and a couple of stitches. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll get there. But what's uh, what's interesting is you take a brand like this, which is very adult, 
smoking, drinking, swanky, you know, we're cosplaying as Johnny Carson and Dean Martin every single day. But we took the kids into account this time around. And I think a lot of parents were very appreciative of that because kids are people too, but they're always just viewed as like, ah, I got my kids with me, you know. Well, maybe that's how you view it. You know, it's not how I view it, actually. And I'm the guy that... Oh, really? No, it's not. I want... I love my kids and all, but boy, I'll tell you, it's fun to get away from them. (laughs) Adam Hawk. (laughs) I want my kids around as much as possible. Really? Yes. And here's the double-sided benefit to creating a kids-only room for them. One, they get to be around. Two, the parents get to stay around longer. Every parent had this little designated area where they could just drop their kids and they would entertain themselves. And that was mm-hmm. great because we all got to cut loose. But it was very reminiscent of like the 50s or 60s where the, the kids are running around the adult party and the adults are smoking and drinking. And what do you know? My four-year-old son, Johnny, ran headfirst right into someone's lit cigar and he's got the uh, ashes <laughs> and mark on his forehead to prove it. Only at Nation Golf in 2023 yeah. as a little kid going to run headfirst yeah. into a cigar at a party. They call those dragon bites. Welcome to the club, kid. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so why don't you tell the story about the one accident we had in the Groms? Room. I don't know what happened. I, I, I kind of heard a broken up story, but I think Red, our friend Tyler Meadows Red, was, was roughhousing with Craig's oldest son, Hank. At some point, Hank's head hit the corner of a really sharp MDF IKEA cabinet it was a bloody situation but thankfully we had one (laughs) band-aid we had a band-aid here i think it was in craig's car but okay yeah mandy handled it hank's mom put some pressure on it got the bleeding to stop put a band-aid on it and that kid was running around good as new great you know the party happened a couple of days ago but when we park our cars we still have chalk drawings all over our parking lot and i love that i love coming into work and being like the kids were here the next generation was here they experienced it they saw it and look you're someone that grew up at that age seeing it from older people do it don't you think that it's great right well the the haters will say that's a bad influence i i disagree i think it's a good influence when these kids grow older, they, they're going to have memories and think about, oh, my parents were doing cool shit. They were doing this and that, and that that's cool. Teaching your kids to be socially inept. Adept. Adept. Yes. Yeah. Inept would be the opposite. Yeah, that would be the opposite. <laughs> but I think teaching them that that stuff matters is really important. A lot of weird kids nowadays and very socially awkward. Teaching them that it's good to just kind of get together, be a part of it. Good vibes, hang loose, have fun. Amen. I want to say this about the party in general. I get so excited as I watch every car pull up and it's dark out. So you just see the headlights and you're wondering, oh, who's who's getting out of the car? Who is, is this going to be Colin Emery? Yeah. No, 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 no Colin Emery. He was down at the Ohana Fest in the rain. Good for you, Colin. That's real man of the year behavior right there to skip out on a party that was kind of thrown in your honor, if you will. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I'm sure the Dixie Chicks were cool. Yeah. <laughs> It's just really cool watching cars pull up and you're like, oh, who's it going to be? Who's it going to be? And you just, you forget all the people that you invited and we didn't do any RSVPs, so we didn't really know who's coming. And then all of a sudden, all your friends are here and you've got Johnny Golf Balls driving down from Ventura. You've got Jorge Hill coming up from Mexico. You've got Tony Bacardi coming in from Santa Barbara. You've got Hannah and Billy coming in from San Diego. My friends Jimmer and Grace coming down from L.A. All your friends from San Clemente. And I'm sure there were even longer drives for a lot of people. And some people even got hotels too. Wow. Yeah, which was which was cool. But I'll say this. I, 
I think I enjoy being around these people more in these kinds of capacities than I do playing golf with them. And I know we're a golf brand, but golf has a way of dividing you into groups of four very quickly. And then even that group of four gets divided into two groups of two very quickly with who you're riding with. Because really, you're only spending time on the tee box and on the greens with the people that you're not in a cart with. True. So it's really great to get that kind of fellowship off of the golf course. I love it on the golf course, but it's great to get it when you're just like, hey, we're in the same proximity. We're not going anywhere. We're all cutting loose. And it's a really cool environment, too, because these guys get to bring their wives and girlfriends and we get to hang out with them as well. Totally. And so I would ask you, why did you add the draft party to the Nation Desert Classic? It's another part of that weekend where the guys are just hanging out. It's another event, but the the bigger picture is it shuffles the deck and breaks up the clickiness and promotes the fellowship even more. Right. And what's the best part about the Indian Wells member guest? Same. Yeah. It's the opening dinner where everyone gets together and picks up their goodie bag. It's the lunches afterwards. It's the closing ceremonies. It's when you're with the group is where all the magic really happens. Right. But we're trained to think that like, this butt matters. Yeah. (laughs) And don't get us wrong. We love the golf. Of course. And the golf part. Of course. But I think once you start to really think about it, the best part about all of this stuff is the before and the after. I have close friends who have played in our tournament for over a decade who like leave after golf. I don't think they've been to one of the dinners or one of the man vs. boot playoffs. And it's like, I feel bad for you. Do you know what you're missing? This is the best part. That's like, what are you, going to a playoff baseball game and you're going to run to your car at the seventh inning stretch? What the fuck are you doing? A couple of topics to hit pretty quickly as we get out. So we said it at the party, but we'll say it for everyone that didn't make it that's listening now. We're not doing discounts on this product that we brought in. There are no discounts. We've turned off the 15% off for your first order. We've turned off the sign up for the text club and get this. We've turned off all the friendly discounts. So any any of that stuff out there is, is no longer on. And you might look at us and go, wow, what a bunch of tight asses. Look at Nation Golf. They're finally changing up and they're, they're finally going for that almighty dollar and they're prioritizing it over their customer. Why don't you tell people why that is the exact opposite of what we're doing and why we're doing it? Find me a competitor at our price. Can't do it. You can't. Our cost has gone up just like everyone. And not our cost to the customer. The cost that we pay ourselves to get these garments made. Oh, yeah. Our materials cost has gone way up. Our shipping. Everything. I mean, just look around. It's crazy. And we had a decision to make. Do we keep our price the same or do we raise it? And we both agreed that we like that price. We think it's fair. And if we continue to deliver high quality garments at that price, we think that's more than fair. And if you want to support us, we really appreciate it. But with that being said, and our overhead and cost of goods going substantially higher, I mean, we're talking north of 30%. We're paying more per garment now. Can't afford it. We had to pick one. Do we keep the price the same and get rid of the discounts or do we keep the discounts and raise the price? So this is a prove it or lose it situation. You want to support our brand and add to cart? There's nowhere else you can go in the world and ask for a discount. We've been unfortunately uh, tied to this game from the get-go and nobody knows it more than me. I grew up in surf shop culture, surf industry. 
they shouldn't even call it the surf industry. They should call it the discount industry because that's all it is. It's bro deals and discounts. It's like when you're in line at Costco, are you going to ask them for 15% off? Never. Or when you're going to Nike.com and making a purchase, are you going to send an email asking for a discount code or are you going to find the owner and DM him and say, hook it up, bro? Like it just doesn't happen anywhere else. There's nowhere else where you will ask or expect a discount. So it's interesting and it's totally psychological and no one's blaming anyone for this, but you see your friend doing something or making something and because they're your friend, there's this thought of, I should be getting that for a better price than everybody else or I should be getting that for sometimes free. There's that expectation. My friend will hook me up. What you fail to realize in that situation is that your friend, or in this case us, paid our own money to make that product. And it's not just the cost of making a product, it's the cost of storing the product, marketing the product, shipping the product. And sometimes putting that product on sale when you got to get rid of it. So what little profit margin is built into something tends to get closer and closer back to what you eventually paid for it. And you're just trading dollars for dollars at that point. So when one of your friends comes in, one of your friends, remember that word, friends, comes in and asks for a discount or asks for a hookup, they're not being your friend and they're not really supporting you in that case. They're asking you, really, in a roundabout way for money out of your pocket. And that is not a scenario that would ever occur in real life where you're walking down the street with your friend and you would say, can I have the money in your pocket? But yeah. but because it's cloaked in this business transaction of, hey, you made this hat or this shirt that I really like, hook it up, give me half off, give me a bro deal, give it to me for free. That hat didn't get here for free. It didn't get here for 50% off. It cost money. It cost our money to make it, to store it, to ship it, to market it. Yeah, I think we're all guilty of buying into the projection of things. Look, we're not a brand that's financially backed by anybody. We've uh, snowballed this thing ourselves. We don't have some fund behind us and some PR team. This is a true, honest, small family business. You want to support us? We really appreciate it. And that's just where we're at right now. I remember when a lot of these name brand surfboards started becoming somewhat mass produced or getting invested in into becoming bigger business, you know? So they're like globally distributed household names, big marketing budgets, they're getting pros and stuff. And I remember at that time, I'm still doing lots of custom boards. And when you're doing custom boards, you have a tiers of people who quote unquote deserve a certain price, whether it be pro, longtime friend, longtime customer, whatever, you know, you, you're always playing this price war against your cost and giving them the best deal because it's just that's just the way the surf industry was forever, you know? And I remember when these bigger brand boards started showing up and everyone griped about it. But what I loved about it is they helped raise the price because big business, there's no discount in big business. The price is the price. You want that new whatever it is board, it's on the rack at your local shop and it's this much. And I remember I'm going to Surf Salt Creek and I see a, a friend who had ordered boards for me for 10 years. And I always gave him a really good price. And he's jogging down the hill at that time with a board that I know that he paid $800 for. And instead of getting mad, I just look at that person. I go, well, I know how much your board for me is going to cost next time. You're going to support him for $800? And then you can support me for $800. bucks." <laughs>
your $500 days are behind you, bud. Yeah. And I don't mean to be redundant, but I do, again, want to stress that it's a psychological thing. I don't fault people for doing it. Of course not. It's just a psychological thing. It's my friend and it's a product. I'm not asking him for money. I'm asking him for a product and that product showed up for less than what he's charging me for it. So I shouldn't have to pay that. I get it. It's psychological. It's totally psychological. So I don't want anyone to feel singled out. I also want to point out that no one has better customers than us and that this isn't some kind of rampant problem. We just kind of want to explain where we're coming at it from. And I think it's interesting behind the scenes discussion for someone who's not in business. And then as you mentioned before, that this might get to a point where we can, that's the dream. The dream is to build it to a point where it's doing so well that The core group that's with us right now, and believe me, if you're listening to this podcast, you're part of the core group. Nothing would make Ryan and I happier than to give you some kind of membership card that entitles you to one free thing of everything we make for the rest of our lives. Yeah. We we want to do that. Oh, for sure. And you've even said it yourself. It's your dream that one day the Nation Desert Classic, our tournament in May, becomes something that you can give away for free to our 120 closest friends. My dream is to make that a true invitational. And that everything is taken care of. And it's not just, hey, you come here and get to play golf for free. It's we're putting you up. And guess what? We hired a barber to come the day before and everyone's going to get fresh haircuts. You're going to get a polo. You're going to get all this stuff. And we're going to roll out the red carpet and treat you like royalty. That is what we want to do. Yep. We're just not there right now, and we're never going to get there if we continue to denigrate the profit margins by giving it away when we can't afford to give it away. True. Just a little backstory on that. I know we've been talking about it a lot, and we wanted to bring it up, and I bring it up here because you brought it up at the party. Oh, I did? When you grabbed the mic, you said, hey, no more discounts. It's time to buck up. Yeah. I don't even remember what I said. (laughs) I black out when I public speak. I just let it go. Well, I'm there taking very careful inventory of it all. Did you get to relax on Sunday? Because again, we ran this marathon at sprint speed and it went on for two weeks. Did you get to relax at all on Sunday? Nope, not at all. Wifey wasn't feeling good. So she was in bed. I was on daddy duty. Palmer had a cough, watched the kid all day. And then we went to Ohana Fest to see the Foo Fighters that night. Just doesn't stop, man. I love that you went to the festival that you openly critiqued over and over again and you were there i think that's the last time i go in to that festival historically we all will go sit on the beach late at night for the headliner on sunday i think last year was like stevie nicks or something because you can hear it outside on the beach foo fighters are great the pretenders played before them i thought they were awesome that's funny because the foo fighters are the real pretenders pretending to write good music i know rock's subjective and they rock but what was weird for me was um, in between songs things. It was like he was trying to be funny. Dave Grohl. Yeah, but he like wasn't funny to me at all. And it was just constant like, hey, motherfuckers, and you motherfuckers, and fucking blah, blah, blah. Like just, it was just weird. He said it over and over again in between songs that, how am I supposed to fit 190 songs into two hours? Are you complaining? Like, I don't understand what's going on here. Those venues for me just kind of suck because it's like there's no seating. And so you're just on this grassy knoll, shoulder to shoulder, just packed in there. Going to these other venues where it's an actual venue, where there's like the assigned seating and stuff, I feel like you have a better time because you can kind of like, 
you have a little more room to party and like be in it. I get the mob mentality thing of thinking that's cool and stuff, but ultimately it's just like not as comfortable and not as accessible. You're just kind of in everyone's business. You don't want to go get a drink or take a piss. It's hard to like walk through everyone. Everyone's all annoyed when you do. It's just not a good venue. I would rather go see a band play at the OC Fairs venue, whatever the fuck that thing's called. So I think for me next time, if it's someone we want to see, we're just going to go park it at the beach, bring a chair, and just kind of chill, have our own space. Just not really a festival guy, I guess, is my point. I did get to relax on Sunday, watch the Ryder Cup, which was whatever. We already talked about it. Yeah, I I watched a little bit of that while I was watching Palmer, but yeah. Yeah, but we laid low, and I was like, you know, we're going to go to Costco get a pizza and that's not only going to be our lunch it's going to be our dinner we're not doing anything i love that yeah that's that's it and anyone can just come into the kitchen and grab it off the stove when when they're hungry yeah and i told the kids i always tell them it's calm down time and guess what else it is it's wind down time we're calming down we're winding down i turn out the lights and i just try to set this this volume decibel fake meter with them and i tell them you're not going over this decibel for the next couple of hours. We, we all just need to get our bearings back. And here's a pro tip to all the parents out there as your kids get a little bit older, where they're still in the I believe everything you say phase. I changed my dad's name in my cell phone to Santa Claus and changed his picture to Santa Claus. So anytime my kids are acting up, I call my dad, which now looks like I'm calling Santa and we have a little discussion about which present he's not going to deliver now because the kids are being bad. Wow. And my dad's in on it too. So he does the ho, ho, ho up here at the North Pole and I see Penelope and Johnny aren't acting that good tonight. So that's going to be one wow. less present if they don't turn it around. That's a deep cut. Yeah, it is. And so we're in that season right now, folks, where the holidays are here. You've got Halloween, Thanksgiving, and Christmas. And it's never too early to start putting the fear of presence disappearing into your kids' souls. And that's where I'm at right now. Nice. The last thing I want to say is my carbon monoxide detector ran out of batteries and my wife told me, and this was in the kitchen last night as we're both just beaten down. She goes, hey, the carbon monoxide detector ran out of batteries. We need to go change that. And I was like, do we really? And she was like, yeah, it's going to start to get cold in the house and we're going to turn on the heater. And it's this old wall unit gas heater and you know we could die in our sleep and i said would that be so bad (laughs) would that be so bad i mean you think about it you go and you don't even know and you go with your whole family so no one has to wake up the next day and be down a brother sister mom or dad like let's just all go together and let's go peacefully no more bills no more debt no more grind let let's let's do this honey let's let's not replace the battery (laughs) Let it ride. Let's let's roll the dice. Yeah. And you know what she said to me? Okay. No way. <laughs> wow. Hey, man. You want to know what the toughest job in the world is? Being a stay-at-home mom with two kids ages seven and four. Oh, yeah. Good God. Pull your hair out. That's the recap of the weekend. Thank you so much for listening. We're excited that we got to break it down. If I sound a little under the weather, it's because I am. It's because we've been going at it nonstop. Good on you for having some kind of world-class immune system. It's probably all the... High-proof Scottish whiskey running through your veins from the weekend. You love to see it, folks. You love to hear it. You love to taste it. You love to feel it. You love to feel it. Thank you so much for listening. This was the bonus episode of The Fellowship, and we will catch you next week. Double up! (laughs) Double up!